This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Hey guys, welcome to The Collective. Good morning, welcome to our favorite episode. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. Let me just kind of briefly explain what The Collective episode is, but it's basically an episode for you guys, by you guys. So I answer any questions or gives any advice or just share your general stories that you guys submit on the Google form. It's it's just literally an episode for all of us to kind of get to know each other a little bit better and also for us to just keep building this community. I do want to say that y'all popped off on the Google forms. Like y'all popped off. We have so many questions, so many questions. And I'm definitely not going to be able to get to all of them in today's episode. So if you don't hear your question in this episode right now, stay tuned because it will be coming out in episode three or episode four. But continue to submit your questions, submit your advice, because the more responses that we get, the more frequently we'll be able to have these episodes. I also generally kind of like glance through some of the questions because obviously I'm curious and I'm wanting to know what you guys are asking, but I didn't actually prepare anything for this episode because I wanted everything to be super organic and just kind of like off the top of my head, not so much structured and rehearsed. It's almost like you're asking a big sister for advice and this is what they're going to tell you type of general idea for the episode. So sit down, grab a coffee. If it's nighttime, grab a glass of wine. If you want a matcha, grab a matcha, grab some water, hydrate. This is your reminder to hydrate. And let's get into this episode. Okay, so the first question says, tips on how to make your weekends fun. Like sometimes I'm so bored and I really want to do things, but sometimes it's so hard. So how can I make them fun even just by myself? I don't know any ideas. So this is how I would make a weekend fun by myself. First and foremost, I would go to a workout class. If you're by yourself, one, I think you need to get out of your apartment, get out of your house, get into like society almost. And two, going to a workout class, automatically I feel more social. Like even if I don't know anyone else in the class, if it's my new time, first time going to a class, if I'm new, whatever it is, like you have to interact with people at some point, whether it's checking in or just being there. I also think being in that atmosphere of a workout class, you feel like a community. You feel like you're a part of something. You feel social. You feel invited. You feel welcomed. And when I'm having a weekend by myself, that's something that's really important to me because if I go to work out by myself at the gym, I could literally just not speak to anyone and do my own thing. So at least with the workout class, you're feeling like you're a part of a group. Second, I would kind of stay on this topic, but I would get out of my house If you wanted to have a fun weekend at home and your idea of fun for that weekend is staying home, watching shows by yourself and binging TV, like that's a thousand percent a fun weekend. Like I love doing that, but sometimes you want to go out and do things. And if you're by yourself, it can be kind of awkward. 
So I would go to a coffee shop. You could go to the mall and walk around the mall. You could go run some errands. If you live in America, go to Target. Just get yourself out and get yourself doing stuff. You can put in your headphones, listen to a podcast, listen to music. You could call your mom or call a friend and have them on the phone with you. One of the things is like when I lived in Pittsburgh and I obviously lived by myself and I lived away from everyone, Dean wasn't there, a lot of the weekends I spent by myself. A lot of the weekends I had school to do or I had HC to do or recording the podcast and my biggest mistake was that I wouldn't leave my apartment. Like I literally would not leave my apartment the entire weekend and at a certain point you kind of feel drained and you're like, what did I just do this whole time? Like I feel so bored. I feel so alone. I feel so isolated. So getting out of the apartment, going to a workout class, being in a social setting, you don't actually have to socialize with anyone, but just being in that atmosphere. One, I think you'll be more productive and you'll kind of have more fun. And two, it'll just be a really good way to kind of remind you that, yeah, you might be by yourself right now, but you're not alone, if that makes sense. And then say it's nighttime and you're extremely bold. I know a lot of us probably wouldn't do this, but say you have this confidence level, which I would admire the shit out of, and you want to go to a bar by yourself. You want to get ready. You want to go to a bar, have a drink, get food, do that. But for those of us who get a little bit of anxiety around that, what I would personally do is I would go to the grocery store and pick up ingredients to come home and make myself a really, really good dinner. I would make myself something totally different than what I normally would have. And I also would play music. You can play either pump up music or super calming music. You can go buy ingredients to make cocktails for yourself. You can try out a different cocktail. If you don't drink alcohol, you can get stuff to make a mocktail. You could have a glass of wine, eat your dinner, and just really enjoy this time by yourself. I think also we take the time by ourselves for granted a lot of the time and we always feel like we can only do fun things when we're with other people. And I definitely was a victim to that too. But as you start to hang out with yourself more, you start to realize what you can do by yourself. And like I said, even just going to a coffee shop on a Sunday afternoon and bringing a book and getting a coffee and sitting there and reading, I think that that's a really fun idea. Like, I think that's a really fun thing to do. And if you live away from your friends and you haven't made new friends in your new city yet, you could always do a FaceTime call with all your friends and you could have drinks or watch a movie together or something like that on the weekend. So to recap, this is how I would spend a weekend alone. I would wake up, go to a workout class, go to a coffee shop, sit and do homework, sit and watch a YouTube video on my computer, sit and read a book, sit and call someone, get myself a nice yummy little treat. Then I would go run errands. I would either go to the mall just for fun or if there's an outdoor event or something in your city, if there's a market, you could go to the market. Even just going on a walk outside and listening to a podcast or something, that would be so much fun. 
Then I would go to the grocery store. I'd pick up super good ingredients to make a good dinner. And it would be fun for me to try and figure out what meal I'm going to cook. I would go home. You can relax. You can have a bath. You can really just indulge in this self-care time. And then if you want to make a cocktail, you can make your own cocktail, shake it up. You can eat your dinner. You can watch a show. You can FaceTime friends. You can call your mom and just really have a wholesome time. I also know that everyone has a very different idea of fun. So if this did not appeal to you in any way and you were like, I want to go out and get like freaking sloshed on the weekend, I get it. That That's fair. That's fair. I get it. I'm just trying to think of what you can do by yourself because the chances of one of us going to a club and getting like blackout drunk by ourselves, it's very, very slim. Girlies, when you're first starting a business, you have enough to worry about. The stress is overwhelming and there's absolutely no reason you should be adding any more. Luckily for us, Shopify is here to help. Shopify has all the tools to power and build your business to the next level. It grows with your business, no matter how far or big you grow. Thanks to an endless list of integration and third-party apps, Anything you can think of from on-demand printing to accounting to chatbots, everything you need to revolutionize your business, they have. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and they are the global force behind Allbirds, Linen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. As a WTTC listener, you can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash WTTC, all lowercase. Again, go to shopify.com slash WTTC now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Again, shopify.com slash WTTC. Okay, girlies, we are talking about our favorites once again. If you've ever had an embarrassing BO moment, Lumi is here to help. Lumi is powered by mandelic acid to control odor in a new way. Lumi delivers outrageous 72-hour odor control from everywhere, including your pits, your feet, and yes, even your privates. And fun fact, but it was actually a patient's concern about their private odor that originally inspired the OBGYN who invented Lumi. I currently have the toasted coconut deodorant and let me tell you, it is my absolute favorite and it smells so good. Lumi's starter pack is perfect for new customers and it comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, two free products of your choice and free shipping. As a special offer for listeners, new customers get 15% off all Lumi products with our exclusive code. And if you combine the 15% off with the already discounted starter pack, that equals over 40% off their starter pack. Use code WTTC for 15% off your first purchase at lumideodorant.com. That's WTTC at L-U-M-E-D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T dot com. Okay, so the next question is actually three questions. So I'm just going to rapid fire these answers off. 
But the first one says Guilty Pleasure Song. And I think it would be If I Can't Have You by Shawn Mendes. I don't know why, but something about that song just gets me going. I love it. How many kids do you want? So (laughs) this is the situation because normally I would say two. Normally I would say I want two kids. I would like a girl and a boy, ideally, because I want to be able to kind of experience both. Like I want to be able to experience raising both kids but also my little brother and I are best friends and we've never really had massive fights I mean occasionally obviously you fight with people and like we would hit each other and that whole thing but my brother's my best friend and I really want my kids to have that same type of relationship that him and I have but as I get older (laughs) I'm like maybe I want four kids. Like, maybe I want four. We'd be a cute little family of six. I'm like, each kid can kind of have their own avenue in life. One could play sports. One could be really school-oriented. One could be really artistic. Like, just different types of kids would be so fun. And also, I just have always wanted to have a massive family. I'm very family-oriented. So I'm like, why would I not have more than two? So either two or four. We don't know. I also don't want three. I want an even number so that if we go to Disneyland and we have to ride a ride and they're typically in sets of two, one of us isn't left out. And that's always been my mindset. Also, if you're on a plane, you can sit two, 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 or you can sit three, three. So I, I need an even number. Then the last question of these three questions is, have you ever thought about applying to physician assistant school instead of medical school? And yes, I have. And I was heavily, heavily debating it. My mom actually tried to kind of push me towards that, not in a bad way, but she was the one that brought it up. The only thing is that in Canada, PAs are not as prominent as they are in the U.S. We don't have as many PAs. Of course, it's starting to become a much bigger thing, but when I finished undergrad, it wasn't something that I really wanted to do. I also, it sounds really bad and I'm being a thousand percent honest, but I was thinking that if I was a PA, I might be annoyed by any restraints that I would have trying to treat a patient and I didn't want to feel like I wasn't able to do something or I had to get someone else's approval first or I wasn't able to sign off on something. So that's kind of why I thought more medical school. But honestly, right now, I'd rather do neither. Like I don't want to do either of them. I'm kind of burnt out with school. I honestly think that I only have... Uh, two years maximum left in me. And I was thinking about it today and I started kindergarten when I was like five and I only took a year off during the pandemic from school. So I've really been in school for like 19 years straight. And at a certain point, you just don't want to do it anymore. And once I have my PhD, I don't feel like I necessarily need to be a medical doctor anymore. I'll be like a philosophical doctor, whatever you want to call it. But I just don't think I would be able to do (laughs) that many more years of school, like if I'm being so honest. But yes, I did think about PA school. I think PAs are amazing. And to be honest, PAs and nurses and like the medical staff really cover the asses of doctors a lot of the time because people make mistakes. And if it wasn't for these other people kind of catching those mistakes, a lot of 
medical errors, a lot more medical errors would actually happen. So I do think PAs are unreal and I love every PA I've ever met, but I just, it, for, for me, it just like wasn't really something that I was considering. Okay. Next question. Tips on how to get over a guy you never dated. (laughs) Um, yeah. So about this one, I feel like we've all gone through this. Like, (laughs) let me know if I'm wrong, but I feel like every single one of us has gone through a situation where you've never actually dated the person. You could have had a thing quote unquote with them or like you pretty much were dating, but not officially, or you could have just went on a few dates with them casually, and then you ended it for whatever reason, and then it's hard to get over that person. And I'm going to tell you why I think you can't get over them, because I've done a lot of soul searching, and I've kind of figured out why. But when you don't actually date someone, you idealize who you think they could be in a relationship. You envision how you think they would be as a boyfriend. You envision how you think they would be as a partner, as a husband, so on and so on. But when you actually date someone, like when I dated someone for three years, I knew exactly how they were in a relationship. I knew exactly how they treated me. I knew exactly how they'd be as a parent, as a husband, how they were as a boyfriend. And so there wasn't anything left to my imagination in that situation. Like I knew exactly what I was getting. And so when it ended, I knew exactly what I was losing. However, When you don't actually fully date someone and you kind of just are talking to them, you really just like envision and imagine who you want them to be. And is that actually how they're going to be in a relationship? Probably not. You don't really know. But we basically put them on this pedestal of like, if we were to date, they would be so caring and so amazing and they would really, really like me and they would do this and this and this, but they might not. Right? Like when I never actually officially dated someone and then we ended it, in that moment, I was like, but we could have been something so good. We could have been something amazing. Even though he was a shitty human being, I also thought I could change him. I also thought that when we started dating, he would be a different person. And that obviously never happened. And so my biggest tip which is very hard to do. It's very hard to do. And also, I do think it takes time. I think it takes time for you to heal from it to actually do this. But you need to basically take off the rose-colored glasses and you need to look at the situation for what it was. And you need to look at the person for exactly who they are and realize that a lot of the reason that you're probably upset over this is because you are imagining what could have been and that might not have been a reality. That might not be how it actually would be if you were to date them and when I ended things with the boy that I never actually dated, if we were to actually date, I think I would literally be horrible and miserable because we didn't actually officially date and I was already depressed. Like we didn't actually officially date and I was panicked every single minute about what he was doing and if he liked me and if he didn't. So imagine if we were actually in a full-blown relationship, that would be way worse. And so you need to take a step back. You need to look at the situation objectively and you need to 
understand that yes, of course you're going to be upset. Of course it's going to hurt. And you wouldn't be a human if you didn't feel that way. So that's a thousand percent valid. But you also have to realize that you're probably creating a situation in your head of what you would have wanted a relationship with this person to be like. And you're probably envisioning how it would have been when you officially started dating and you started doing this and meeting families and holidays and all of that. And that's a really tough thing to lose because once you start talking to someone, it's very natural to start thinking about that. And so once that kind of gets taken away, you are gutted and it sucks. But you have to realize that you are probably mourning the potential relationship and not so much the person. You're probably more sad and upset about the concept of this relationship never actually coming to fruition because you imagined it to be something in your own head and you're not actually necessarily mourning the person themselves. I hope that helped a little bit. If not, send me a DM and we'll talk through it. Okay, this next one isn't actually a question, but they said, okay, so you put lettuce on spaghetti. I totally get that because I add a layer of spinach down in my bowl before I add my cooked spaghetti, lasagna, pasta, etc. Easy way to get more greens in. And whoever wrote this, I just want to say thank you. I want to say thank you so much. Fuck all the haters. Fuck all the bitches who've been coming at me for my lettuce and my spaghetti, including Dean Champanelli, because thank you for understanding. I'm just trying to get more veggies in, guys. I'm trying to be healthy and wealthy and nutritious. And of course, I don't always do that. Of course, with certain spaghetti and pasta that we have, I'm not going to add spinach into it or lettuce but when we make like a meat sauce I felt like it was normal I don't know but thank you for this one okay next question I struggle to get the motivation to complete my homework and often leave it to the end but when I do this my anxiety and stress gets to the max do you have any tips on how to keep yourself motivated and how to complete things without procrastinating procrastinating oh my god also I love you I love you more And yes, I do. So I am the worst for procrastination. Horrible. I am really, really bad at it. And honestly, something that I have realized and something that I've kind of learned over the years is that the reason I procrastinate a lot isn't because I'm lazy. It's because of my anxiety. You know, when you have a lot of homework to do or like a lot of work to do and it just kind of stresses you out. And to me, even starting it, gives me anxiety. So because of that, I will push it until the very, very last moment. And at that last moment, I'm like, well, fuck, I don't have another choice. I have to do this right now. And that's what gets me started. So one of my tips is literally to try to shut your brain off and sit down and start whatever homework that you have to do. Because A lot of it is probably your own anxiety getting in the way just about even starting it. You know, when you have like a paper or something to do and it seems like the most daunting task ever, but once you actually sit down and start for like five minutes, you're like, oh shit, this actually isn't that bad. That's literally what I think is going on. 
So to do this, because obviously when my tip is just sit down and do it, you're like, what the fuck? But to do this, I would try and set the environment to be as comforting as possible. So I would set a candle. I would sit down at a desk first and foremost. Don't sit in your bed. Don't sit on the couch, like sit at a table because you're going to be way more productive. If you need to change into like a cute outfit, do that. A lot of people love doing that, wearing like normal, real human clothes instead of like sweats and a hoodie. I would make a coffee or a matcha or some sort of bev to have at my desk. And I would tell myself just half an hour. Just half an hour, sit down for half an hour and see how much I can get done. Because most of the time it's just taking that first step. And once you're in it and you're in the groove of it, you can keep going and you can get more done. But I would just tell myself, just do something for half an hour and see how it goes. See how it goes. I think the motivation aspect with school wears off. I think when a semester first starts, a lot of the time we're excited, it's new classes, we want to see kind of what's going on, and we're really like diligent in getting all our shit done. But then, once school's in motion for a while, I mean, we're in February now, middle of Feb, and I'm burnt out, I'm sure you are too, I don't really have the motivation to get stuff going anymore. So I really just rely on consistency and I rely on the fact that I tell myself, I want to accomplish this. I want to accomplish the goals that I've set out for myself and the way that I'm going to do it is by sitting down and getting my shit done. And I mean, it's tough, especially when you are burnt out with school to tell yourself like, yeah, I'm going to sit down and like grind out all my homework. Like, no, you'd rather do a million other things. I was supposed to get so much homework done this weekend and I did absolutely none of it. And now today I'm like, shit, I have to do stuff and get it done. But the reason I have to get it done is because I have these goals set for myself and I have these dreams that I want to achieve. But in order to do it, I have to put the work in and I have to get my ass in gear. And that's one of the things that I use to motivate myself because the motivational aspect of school and kind of that like initial excitement is going to wear off. And so you have to dig deeper and be like, shit, what is it that's making me do this? Also, another thing that, of course, is a good option is planning out your schedule and planning out your week, planning out your month. And if you know that you have a test in two weeks, maybe you start studying a little bit earlier and you just do little increments every day so that by the time the test comes, it's not the day before and you're cramming at night. So just kind of scheduling that in and also being diligent on it Again, it's another thing that you have to remind yourself, okay, let's sit down for five minutes. Make your environment super cozy. Tell yourself, once you start, the anxiety will fade away. Once you start, you will be in it. You will feel so much better. But it's that initial starting that is a really tricky thing. And that's the thing that I think a lot of us get fearful of. And that's why we procrastinate. It's not because we're lazy. I honestly think it's just because we have so much anxiety built up around our homework and around school and around work. And it's really difficult for us to just sit down and start it because we're just scared of the outcome. But something I've also learned is 
something is better than nothing. So even if I don't do my absolute best on a paper, giving something and working on something, it's better than just not doing it at all. So instead of feeling like I can't start something because I'm not fully ready and I'm not doing my absolute best and I'm scared that I'm not going to do super, super well on it, I need to just sit down, start it, and go from there. Because also, a lot of the time, you can go back, you can review things, you can change things, but it's just that initial step that I think causes so many of us to procrastinate. Also, once I realized that this is the reason that I procrastinate, it helped me to not procrastinate because I wasn't so hard on myself and because I wasn't like, oh my God, you're so fucking lazy. Get up and do your homework. You suck. And then I just kind of spiraled myself. I recognized, okay, I am scared. I'm scared to do this paper. I'm scared to do this presentation and I'm scared to even sit down and start it. But I'm going to give myself grace, give myself comfort, set my mood, set my environment, and we're going to sit down and we're going to slowly go through it. And that helped me to not be so fearful because I wasn't thinking that I was just a lazy piece of shit for not starting my homework. But I realized that it's literally just my anxiety. And in order to calm my anxiety, I actually have to get the work done because once it's done, it's done. And once it's done, you can put it out of your mind and you can focus on other things. So that's something that really helped me. Okay, next question. Tips on dealing with friendship breakups. Kind of stopped talking to my old friends as they didn't give me any effort. Things are changing slash moving on, feeling lonely, dot, 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 help. I a thousand percent relate to this because I think it's a natural part of life. That doesn't mean it doesn't suck, but I think that this is something that a lot of us have to go through and friendships change over time. And that's something that's sad and it's something that... I hate and I don't love, but people change, friendships change. I would deal with a friendship breakup literally like any other breakup. I would be sad. I'd be upset. I'd mourn the loss of it. I'd work through it. I'd talk it out. And then I'd start to heal and move on just like any other breakup that you would possibly go through. But something when I went through friendship breakups that kind of helped me a little bit is that I realized that in order to grow and in order to be a different person, I had to change my surroundings. As I got older, as my priorities changed, as my view of the world changed, as I got a boyfriend, as I moved and I've done all this stuff and just things in my life have progressed and have changed, my friendships from high school probably aren't going to be suitable for me as much anymore, especially if they're not changing at the same pace that I am. And that's not saying dump all your friends from high school. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that people grow in different ways and people grow at different times. And when I started changing as a person and becoming this new version of myself, I needed to find people who match that energy. And some of my old friendships just weren't 
aligning with that. And it doesn't always have to be a really dramatic friendship breakup. It could just be people start to drift. It could just be people's lives go in different directions and things just change and you move on. But with that, I always say that it's welcoming in something new, releasing something of the past and releasing something that no longer suits you just makes room for new stuff to come in. And so, yes, it's really sad to have friendship breakups. It's really sad for friendships to change and for dynamics to shift, but it's welcoming in the possibility of you making new friends, of you making new people in your life who align more with your values now and align more with your energy now and who you want to be. And that can be really exciting. It can be a really exciting thing. So my advice is mourn the friendship, be sad for a while, work through it, and then realize that that's just allowing you to grow and it's allowing you to bring in new energy into your life and bring in new people who probably will be better suited for whatever phase of life that you're in right now. I always say that people come into your life either for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. And some friendships are supposed to be for a reason and you're supposed to learn something from it. Some are supposed to be there for a season and they're supposed to help you through whatever stage of life that you're in. And then there's some people who are just there for a lifetime and they're your ride or dies. Okay, this next question, I'm going to read it, but there's five questions in this question. So again, we're going to like rapid fire them off. I also love when you guys do this because I love that you guys have so many questions. And so I like it when you just ask a whole bunch in one big overall question. But it says, hello, I'm new to the podcast, so I apologize if these questions have already been answered within certain episodes. I love what you're doing. Keep it up. Question one is, do you face any guilt moving so far away from your family? If so, how do you deal with it? And I read this question the other day and I was talking to Dean about it and both of us said no, which like sounds really, really shitty. But I think because our families are so supportive of us and my family really encouraged me to leave my hometown and to go to school in other places and have always taught me to go and explore the world and to learn new things and to be in new environments that I felt very supported when I left and I still feel supported even being left that I don't feel any guilt. I think it would be very different if my family wasn't very supportive of what I'm doing and I think it would be very different if I constantly was being told that they were like super sad all the time and just kind of making me feel guilty in a sense. I do feel a little guilty about not being with my Nana all the time and my grandma and grandpa. But again, my family's so freaking supportive of everything that I'm doing that I've never felt bad for going somewhere to learn and going somewhere to improve my education and to grow up and become independent. Okay, second question says, you have mentioned in previous episodes that you have not been accepted to any medical schools. I'm in a similar situation. How do you learn to quit blaming yourself and accept that this isn't the right path for you? So 
This is a tricky one because for a very, very, very long time, I always blamed myself. I said I was stupid. I said I didn't have enough extracurriculars. I said I wasn't smart enough. I said I wasn't doing the right things and I would never get in and it was all my fault. And this second time around, applying to med schools and still not getting accepted. And I did absolutely everything I could to make my application as strong as humanly possible. Like I really busted my ass for the past year and a bit to make this application so fucking strong. And I realized being in the program that I'm in right now and being in my PhD and having the grades that I have that I'm not stupid. Like I'm not dumb. And I really had to realize that medical schools just strictly look at your application and they strictly are looking for specific things. And maybe I didn't get in because I'm not American. I applied to American schools. I'm a Canadian citizen. I'd be an international student. Maybe that's one of the reasons I didn't get in. We don't know. And you're never actually going to know the reason that you're not getting accepted. And so at the end of the day, I just had to have the mentality of like, fuck it. It's not my problem. And that's really tough. And it's really hard to not blame yourself. But think about job applications. It's the same thing. People can submit their resume and maybe you don't have as much experience or your credentials aren't as good, but you're really eager to learn and you're really excited to be a part of it and you're a quick learner and you would be the best employee. If you don't have on paper exactly what they're looking for, they're not even going to give you an interview to get to know you. And medical school is the exact same way, which is so fucking shitty because you could literally be the best doctor in the entire world and have the best patient care possible, but you just didn't score a high enough score on your MCAT. So they're not even going to give you that chance. And at the end of the day, I realized that this might just not be the path for me. It's something that I've tried and it took me a really long time to accept it. I said to everyone when I applied for a second time, I said, one, I can't go through this anymore. Mentally, I'm unwell. Also, I hate the application process. I don't want to do it anymore. And so I said, if I don't get in, it's a sign from the universe that I'm just not supposed to do this. And I'm supposed to have different career goals. And keep in mind, it took me a solid two years to get to this point from my first rejection phase, because once I got rejected the very first time in the middle of the pandemic, I mean, we all know this story, but I literally thought my life was over. I had no other career path, no other thought process on what I was supposed to do. And I literally felt so lost and so stupid. And then as time goes on, you start to accept it. You start to accept it. You start to deal with it and you find other avenues. If I didn't get it rejected the first time, I wouldn't be doing my PhD right now. Helfridge Collective wouldn't be a thing. I wouldn't have this podcast. There's so many different things that I wouldn't be doing if I got accepted into med school. And so it's easy in hindsight to look back and be like, thank God that didn't happen because my life would not be 
what it is right now. I wouldn't have met Dean. There's so many things that wouldn't have happened. I wouldn't have some of my best friends that I have in Pittsburgh. And I'm super thankful I didn't get into med school the first time because my life would be so insanely different. But I understand in that moment, it's really tough, but just know it'll work out. It'll work out the way it's supposed to. And maybe this first try or second try or third try in a med school isn't the one, but your fourth or fifth will be. So you got this. Everything will be okay. Okay, question three. What do you picture your life will look like in 10 years? And that is such a good question because I don't actually know. So in 10 years, I will be 35. I feel like I will hopefully have some children. I will hopefully be married. Maybe I'll have a house. Who knows? I hope that Helfrich Collective is doing super, super well. I want to work for the WHO. I want to make some policies and change the world. Maybe I'll give a TED talk. We don't, I don't really know. And I used to be so insanely fearful of the future. And I like had an exact plan of what I wanted in a certain amount of time. And I've kind of started to let that go because if the pandemic taught me anything, it's that I don't actually know what's going to happen anymore. And so I just have to live in the moment and just kind of go with things. But those are sort of just my general ideas of kind of what I envision my life to be like. Question four is, I'm currently working night shift. Any tips on how to handle this schedule? I'm dying. Um, If you don't know, I worked at the hospital for a little while and I did night shifts all the time and they fucking wrecked my body. They were horrible, absolutely horrendous. But any tips I have would be to make sure that you getting enough sleep during the day. That was my biggest issue is I would come home from night shift and one, it's bright out. Two, my body's confused and I would go to bed for maybe two, three hours. I wouldn't actually get a full night's sleep and then I'd go back and do night shift again. And so every time I did it, I was just super sleep deprived. So I would get a eye mask if you don't have one. I would get blackout curtains and I would take melatonin and I literally would come home from night shift. Sometimes I would go work out, which was a little wild, but come home from night shift and try to get like at least six hours of sleep. And I just find it so much harder to sleep during the day. And I just felt like I was missing a whole bunch of stuff or I had homework or something. And it really like fucked me up. But I would just try and prioritize the sleep aspect of it. I would also make sure that you're eating enough because that's another thing is in the middle of the night, I would be so one, either super ravenous or I would feel nauseous almost and I wouldn't eat anything. So make sure you're eating enough to sustain your energy during that schedule because it can literally be hell. Okay. And then the last question of this big overall question But it says, by listening to your podcast, you seem so positive. Have you always had a positive outlook or is it something you've had to work towards? (laughs) And one, I want to say thank you for thinking that I have a positive outlook. Um, But I definitely don't always have a positive outlook, like not even close. You can ask Dean. A lot of the times I'm like, fuck this. This sucks. I hate this. This is horrendous. And I think that's normal. I think it's normal to not always be positive. The people who are always, always positive 
partly I'm like, I don't know how you're doing this because that doesn't seem realistic to me. So it's definitely something that I've had to work towards. It's definitely something that I'm still working towards. And it's very difficult. Like being a thousand percent honest, it's really hard. When you have a really, really shitty day, it's very difficult to look at it and be like, oh, well, I'm so glad that this happened so that I can learn from it and grow as a human. Like, no, you have a really shitty day. You come home. You're like, fuck, that sucked. I hate everyone. Everyone's a bitch. And you just (laughs) keep moving on. So it's very tough and something I definitely had to work towards. I honestly think the podcast has helped me be more positive because I'm sitting here preaching everything to everyone. And Dean and my mom told me the other day that I need to listen to my own podcast episodes so that I can get it into my own head and like live by everything that I'm saying. So I definitely have had to work on it. I'm definitely still, still grinding at it, but yeah, I'm not always positive. I do try my absolute best, but sometimes you just, you can't. Sometimes it's just not going to happen, but thank you. Okay, last question for this episode is, I haven't had a boyfriend, only situationships, and I'm 25. Feeling helpless on love, and I'm done with the apps, bracket, no good guys, and my last situationship broke me. I'm done just hooking up with guys. Where do I go from here? 25, single, in New York City, and feeling like I won't find my person. Okay, first of all, I think that your mentality around it is not good. And that sounds really harsh, so let me explain. I understand that when shitty things happen and shitty things happen with boys, you start to feel helpless on love and you're like, there's no good guys in the world. Everyone sucks. I get it because I've been there and I've done that. But I honestly believe that when you have that mentality, that's who you're going to attract. You're going to attract these bad situations. You're going to attract these shitty guys. You're going to attract not good people because of this mentality that you have. And so something that has helped me a little bit when I would go through really shitty situations with guys is I would just remind myself that this just gets me one step closer to finding that person and that every single situationship that I would have and every single shitty guy taught me what I do and don't want in a boy. All of those situations helped me to be more confident in what I want in my person and what I want in the person that I'm going to marry and the person I'm going to be with because I would look at these situations and I'd be like, okay, well, he isn't good at communicating. We would get in a little argument and he would storm off or he wouldn't text me for hours at a time every single day or he was constantly late to everything, or he would say condescending things to me, et cetera, et cetera. And I would look at these things, and when the situation would end, I would be like, okay, well, this is something I for sure don't want in the next boy I date. This is something I for sure do not want the next boy that I'm seeing to have. And it sounds really shitty, and I've gone through it too. I've gone through so many shitty boys before I found the one person that I know I'm going to be with forever. But I feel like I had to go through all of those so that I knew exactly what I wanted 
in my person. And I learned from each of those situations so that now in my relationship, I know how to deal with certain situations that come up. I know how to communicate better. I know how to talk about my feelings more. I know how to care more about the other person. In this question, you say, I'm just done hooking up with guys. Where do I go from here? I a thousand percent agree that you should be done hooking up with guys for a little bit. Of course, if you want to go ahead, have fun, let loose, live life. But I do think that you need to take some time and prioritize yourself. Before I met Dean, this is one of the things that I did. I said I didn't want a boyfriend. I was happy just being single by myself, hanging out with myself, getting to know what I do and don't want, getting to know more about what I like and what I don't like, and just really starting to, this sounds so cheesy, but like love myself. And that's when this happened. That's when Dean came into my life, when I was literally just focused on myself. And there's so many people that also say that that's what happens for them. And yeah, I was on the apps and I was like talking to random guys and all this stuff, but I didn't want anything serious. And I think that you need to take this time to one, mourn that relationship and be upset by it and feel heartbroken, but then pick up the pieces and focus on yourself. Focus on yourself and make yourself a priority and not seek out male validation. And of course, I mean, you can message all these boys, you can do all this stuff, but you need to really take some time just to be with yourself for a little bit. And I honestly think that that will help change your mindset around dating because dating is really, really fucking hard. It sucks sometimes, but it should also be fun. It should be something that is exciting and something that's fun to do and something that kind of makes you feel alive. And I know that we're 25 and we feel like we're so old, but in the grand scheme of life, we're not. And this is a time that we should just be having fun and living our lives and I don't want that experience to be tainted for you because you feel like you should have had a boyfriend by this point or because of these situationships that were super shitty. I didn't have my first boyfriend until I was 19 and I thought I was so fucking late in life, but everyone has stuff that happens at different times and everyone's on a different path and everyone's on a different journey and maybe you're going to meet someone at 26 and that's going to be your person and that's going to be your one and done and you found the love of your life like you don't know and so I honestly believe that everyone has a person out there and I just think that right now you need to focus on yourself and you need to focus on making yourself happy and with that you're going to start to attract the right person okay so those are all the questions that we're going to answer in today's collective episode I have a shit ton more so there will be another collective episode coming out really soon and I'm so sorry if I didn't get to your question today but it will be in the next episode or the one after that please feel free to keep sending in your questions because I absolutely love these episodes I think they're so nice and so fun and just so exciting and I love every single thing about it Also, please be sure to share this episode, rate it, review it, subscribe, you know the whole deeds. But thank you guys so much for listening to this episode and I will catch you in the next one. Bye. Hey 
Hey there, my name is Renee Rena, and I am the mom friend you have always wanted. I am also the host of the Mom Room Podcast. We publish two episodes per week, a co-hosted episode on Tuesdays and a solo episode on Thursdays. Popular topics include pooping and having sex after giving birth. I have a solo episode where I talk about not sharing a bed with my husband and why that's okay. I hope you'll tune in to these conversations every week. Join us on Instagram at the mom room podcast and start to feel a little less alone in this crazy thing called motherhood.